0: Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox, with me in Vienna, Virginia, Ben Olson. Ben, what's the latest from Virginia?
1: Well, um, I'm looking forward to going to Rehoboth Beach this weekend.
0: Rehoboth Beach?
1: Yeah, it's in Delaware.
0: You taking the kids?
1: No, this is just um, me and a friend.
0: Nice, dude. Little, yeah. little getaway? Yeah. I've been thinking that I need a vacation myself. I've been working too much. You do need a vacation. Unfortunately, the second half of the year is the busier time of the year, so that sucks.
1: Yeah, so I think you've been pushing like three days a week this this month,
0: right? <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's actually just the travel that's adding up on me. Um, the When you add the travel days on top of all the teaching days, it just gets a little bit excessive, but uh, I really can't complain. Today on the show, we have... Uh, a bunch of news um we have our upcoming class in new york city august 25th and 26th of course register now at thinkinglsat.com for that class any uh updates about the new york class ben
1: uh it's gonna be awesome
0: yeah it is <laughs> going to be awesome the last one was amazing and i look forward to getting back in the classroom with you i was regaling my class in la last night about how fun that was to teach with you in new york oh cool and and um I was telling them the story of when I took over the whiteboard from you. Yeah, yeah, I
1: tell that story all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll get I a chance completely to completely defaced, uh... and you
0: know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get a chance to take over from me as well. Yeah. Um, we have a news item about the LSAC uh, popping off, saying that there's going to be 10 tests in 2020 and that they're going digital in spring of 2019. That's really that's that's cool. Um, we also have a plea for a volunteer. We need a listener to be a volunteer Thinking LSAT producer for us. Uh, so we'll talk about all three of those things on today's show. Before we get there, um, you can email the show anytime, help at thinkinglsat.com. We have 715 members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. You can join us there. We have 30 patrons on Patreon that are now donating $164 every month. Thank you very much for supporting the show on Patreon. We have 294 ratings on iTunes and a bunch of new... We were just talking about that on the last episode. We got a bunch of new ratings, a bunch of new reviews. So thank you very much for that. That really helps us uh, get the word out there on the show.
1: We're also <laughs> now on Spotify. So if you'd rather listen on Spotify, you can go there. And I don't know if you can... Re- I'm assuming you can leave reviews on Spotify, but I didn't see where.
0: I looked at that too, and I did not see any place for reviews on Spotify. But yeah, we we uh, boy, that was like... a. Would have been trying to do that for a couple of years already to get us on Spotify. So, um, thanks to Matt and Adam uh, for finally sorting that out, and we are available on Spotify. Uh, <clears throat> we are trying to build a database for outreach. Uh, we would love to share the Thinking LSAT podcast and all of our various resources with your pre-law society or your uh, academic pre-law advisor. Uh, any kind of newsletters that you're on, any kind of groups that you belong to, can you please let us know so that we can send them timely updates uh, every once in a while? We're not going to spam the shit out of them. We're just going to send them um, you know, a quick hello and try to get the word out about the podcast. Uh, we have a new email address for that, which is podcast at thinkinglsat.com. If you have any kind of a newsletter or advisor who <clears throat> you'd like to... Let us know about, please email podcast at thinkinglsat.com and we'll put them into a database and we promise we will not spam them too much. You can follow us on Twitter at thinkinglsat is the show at nfox is me at Olson Benjamin is Ben. You can visit strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com to learn about all of our classes, uh, live classes in DC, LA, San Francisco, all sorts of online and one-on-one options. Uh, okay. Time to get into it, Ben. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, what is this thing at the very top of our agenda here with 1000 hidden messages? (laughs) Uh,
1: I was just thinking, this is a thought that came to me when when I was reviewing uh, someone's personal statement. Um, every sentence can be changed, refined and made better, Right. And I don't think people realize this sometimes. And as I was reading through the sentences, when a sentence is well-crafted and the next one is well-crafted and it's well-formatted, you're sending all these little hidden messages of your competence in a way that you're not, if it's not (laughs) well-formatted, if it's not stylistically smooth and flows together. And so as I was reading this person's statement, I was thinking to myself, wow, like when these sentences are well-written, I'm just getting all these messages that this person knows their shit and when they're not well-written, I'm getting the opposite message, that they don't know their shit, and maybe they're not the best candidate for a highly paid professional writer. So in any case, I just had that random thought that there's the message you're sending through your personal statement, which is, of course, supremely important. But there's also just these, all these other little messages that are sent through the style of your writing and uh, how you decide to phrase things and so on. That's all.
0: Yeah, um, people need to try harder. Yeah, on on their writing. When I read people's personal statements, I mean, I I guess they're just sending them to me like, "Hey, what do you think of this? Here's a draft." Mm -hmm. But it's like it's like they didn't even read it themselves. Yeah, if you if you would have read this over one time, you never would have left it like that. Unless you're just incredibly lazy and not. Really cut out for a yeah, like Ben says, not cut out for a job as a professional writer. Um, you got to reread that shit. <laughs> you're like you're you're getting judged. Yeah. You're, your first sentence, your first two sentences. I'm forming so many different opinions of you just immediately. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, you need to reread that shit. You need to edit that shit. Try harder. Okay.
1: Here's my two tips. One is to read what you've written out loud. and see if it flows out loud. The second tip is to use Grammarly. It's free, and it will tell you wordy phrases and other mistakes that normal spell checkers don't catch. So just use it and get the credit for being a better writer than you actually are.
0: So that's just grammar and then L-Y, Grammarly? Yep, Grammarly.
1: Yeah, if you just Google that, you'll find it.
0: Okay, I cringe to put my shit into that. I'm sure they would be pointing out all kinds of places I'm <laughs> totally bloated. But, yeah. Okay. Um, we have a news item here that says number of law school applicants surges, especially among high scorers.
1: Yeah, that's and interesting.
0: Then, that sounds like a lie to me, by the way. <laughs> I have a really hard time believing that. And then we have a subhead that says at the same time, the law school admission council is increasing the number of LSAT test dates from six to 10 and will move to a computerized version of the exam in spring of 2019. You want to read this or,
1: uh, I don't know that it's we a need little to long. It. Yeah. It's a lot long. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should just look at these numbers here at the beginning. It says the number of people applying to law school for the upcoming academic year shot up 8% the only significant annual increase since 2010. LSAC reported that 60,000 people applied for a mission this fall, up from 55,000 the previous year. So those are the numbers.
0: I mean, I don't know that I would call that surging. That's, okay, it is an increase. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's still like way down from what it was, what, Yeah. eight years ago.
1: Yeah, when you have a drought and it starts to rain again, people... Can jump rainfall right
0: surges <laughs> it's like yeah it's <laughs> the first time it's rained in five years yeah uh, yeah so we're still having flash flooding and um i'm curious let's see they said that oh this is a just a straight up lie right here this this quote right here yeah, I'm going to read this quote because this is bullshit right here. This is some politicking. I've heard from a number of schools that this year they're worried about not under enrollment, but over enrollment, <laughs> said Elsac <laughs> president Kelly Testy. Because the demand was so strong, some schools are finding that they may have had higher yield rates than they had in prior years, and they may have larger classes than they aimed for. Yeah, right. Law schools complaining about over enrollment. My ass. They've... <laughs> <laughs> They've cut all over the place. Like law schools are, they shrunk by like twenty five percent, didn't they? I mean, yeah. everybody had to tighten the belt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, not I'm obviously not the top 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 schools, but <laughs> yeah, well, School, that's what's going on here. Going out of business. Come she on. She's,
1: she says I've heard from a number of schools. She's probably heard <laughs> from two, and they are probably. Uh, Stanford and, and Yale or something. I mean, I did hear someone say that, uh, oh, what school did he get into? He got into UVA and was saying that he was pretty good friends with the um, dean and that he wouldn't have gotten in with his numbers had he applied a couple of weeks or even like a week later, just given the number of applicants that they got in right after they accepted him. Um, who knows why the dean
0: was telling him that, but it does sound like it's I mean, tight at the top, but that's, that sounds like a lie, but well, I don't know. I uh, mean, that's that sounds like a hey, you better hurry up and put your deposit because you almost didn't get in. Yeah, maybe you know, or like, Hey, yo, the reason why we're not giving you any scholarship money is because you barely got in. Uh, well, I'm not,
1: I mean, I'm not going to discount it right away, but uh, the point is, I think that it's demand has always been high for the top schools. Right. <laughs> right. just, you got to look at the whole market and she's just referring to it number of schools. This is like an LSAT law. but
0: anyways. Yeah. Here's another lie. Check out this or just <laughs> this article is just, they're, they're giving all the, I don't know why this writer wants to pump up, law school admissions so much, but it's like they clearly made up their mind. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is. It's always everything. Man, I got to start. I'm going to, I'm tempted to unfollow above the law on Twitter because it's so much clickbait. Like you click on any of their shit and it takes you to a thing, a story. That's one sentence.
1: Oh, it's like,
0: not not even, it's like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting my time? Um, check out this, this lie. Early indications also suggest that the applicant pool will expand yet again for the 2019 entering class. The number of people taking that law school admission test in June and July was up 30% over the previous year. The June and July exams are considered the beginning of the new admission cycle. When early bird applicants start the process. That's up. It's up 30%, Ben. June and July. It's up 30%. Wow.
1: I don't, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. That's a big number to me. You you don't like that number. You don't.
0: <laughs> there was no fucking July test last year. This is yeah. the first July test ever. Yeah. Of course they open up. If they, if they have more, you're come on, dude. It's like there's surely people are taking it in July that weren't, weren't ready for June. They were going to take it in the fall test and now they're taking it in July instead. It's just, how do you not mention that if this is a news story? How do you not mention the fact that there was no July test last year?
1: No, that's important. What I'm really curious about is are they talking about unique people or are they just talking about the total number of people taking both tests? Because that'd be hugely skewed, right? Like yeah, if someone it, took it in, June, it's in pretty.
0: July. This is clearly a pretty one sided, sloppy reporting. So, you know, it, it's <coughs> the odds of that being actually a 30% increase in people is pretty low. It's probably people retaking. Um, <laughs> go, continuing with the quotes from from uh, Commissioner Testy, mm-hmm. we have, um, there is a kind of sigh of relief from the schools to see a return both in numbers and quality of applicants, Testy said.
1: A sigh of relief, yeah. Well, hmm.
0: This year's applicant pool was not only larger, but also more qualified, council data shows. The number of applicants with LSAT scores of 175 to 180, the highest score band, increased 60% over the previous year. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just not that many of those. Yeah, I wonder how many there are in terms of hard numbers. These other bands are up to, okay, 13% increase in 170s to 174s. 27% increase in 165s to 169s. You know what else there is? Mm. Big increase in accommodated testers. That's an interesting point. I mean, those two things definitely go hand in hand.
1: Yeah. Not that we're trying to stir the pot or anything. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Well, cool. All
0: right. There you go. Well, hey, Ben, we were worried about going out of business, but I guess we're not.
1: We're good. We can we, we have a sigh of relief,
0: like law schools. <laughs> ben and Nathan breathe a sigh of relief and they realize that they'll be able to continue having their businesses where they don't really have to work that much. <laughs> Three days a week.):
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, cool. Thank you. Karen Sloan.
0: Yeah, who wrote the article.: Yep. Next one.:
1: Yeah. Is this clickbait too?:
0: I don't know. There's a lot of clickbait. Let's see what it is.
1: Nathan, I apologize for any typos, semicolon. I'm somewhat drunk in the wake of the July LSAT. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to shoot you an email and thank you for recommending I buy the Logic Games playbook.
0: Oh, this is a puff piece. Here we go. Oh, it's, it's- a commercial for my book. Great. <laughs> I was wondering how this got to the top of Let's the Let's <laughs> get this with more enthusiasm, Ben. Come on. All right. Uh, I just wanted
1: to thank you for recommending I buy the Logic Games playbook. Available my on life Amazon. Is- <laughs> <laughs> um, I did the whole thing in the lead up to the test and when the circular game came around today I was completely un—oh, unfazed I don't know what, wow that's interesting while everything else is freaking while everyone else is freaking out I'm sure I crushed it in part because you taught me to be extremely flexible and intuitive when it comes to the games. If I end up going to school in Cali, there's a beer with your name on it. Thanks much Mr. T. Um Well, so this is based on the self-assessment of the applicant. I'm sure he did very well, though. I'm excited because your book
0: is awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it sounds like he did well. You know what there is not? We need to talk about circular games, I think. I would like to talk about circular games. Let's talk about them. Well, because do you know what what is not in my book? Do you know of the 30 games that are in my book, do you know what there is not one of?
1: A circular game.
0: A circular game. There is definitely not a circular game in my book and the point i'm trying to make is that people think that you like people are so fucking obsessed with game types and they think that in order to do a circular game you have to have practiced circular games
1: mhm mhm
0: but i'm pretty sure that this game that just appeared on this july test was actually easy the circular game i think it was easy and i think I've it was easy. easy because it's just an ordering game It's a sequencing game, and there's nothing special about it except for that the first and last spots sit next to each other, Mm -hmm. and you just have to remember that. And it's there is no there's no special solution for this circular game. I'm getting all these emails now of people like, hey Nathan, can you please review that one circular game from 2003, which by the way was like a pretty hard game. Remember that Mm -hmm. one with eight people? Yeah, and and it was like lunch or something or dinner or whatever. They're sitting around a table for a meal or whatever, but it's that game sucked. Like that game was really hard. Mm -hmm. This game that was on this. So (laughs) I don't think practicing that game helps you at all for the circular game that just appeared on the July, 2018 test. Mm -hmm. I think what helps you for the circular game that appeared on the July, 2018 test is to learn how to improvise and have a flexible approach to these games. Yeah. People who came to our class in New York saw me and Ben like arguing about different approaches for the games. And we were, we were each improvising a solution for the game. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we're going to do it awesomely and sometimes we're going to do it not so awesomely. And that's, that's like a skill that people really need to learn is to be flexible in their approach.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I, the people who really crashed and burned on July, 2018 logic games were the ones who were worried about the fact that that was a circular game. We have Mr. T here emailing who literally never practiced a circular game in my book anyway. And he just saw that game and was like, Oh, no big deal. I read the rules. I understand the rules. I look for some connections between the rules. I make some sort of a picture to solve the game. Boom. Done. Yeah. But you know, he, he did the book. He did the work. I agree.
1: Yeah. It's been fun this semester. Uh, I I asked Matt to find a bunch of just old games that people considered hard. Um, And I think he ended up finding like 15 or 20 random games. And so I haven't done them. Some of them I've never done before, or if I've done them before, it's been a super long time. So I go to class and we do these games. Like just the other night, we did the Flasks game. You remember that one?
0: Oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The mixing then then we,
1: colors one. Mixing colors. And that game's not hard. No, it's not it's not hard. But it's different, you know? Yep. And um then there was the uh, the ones with the the subway lines. Uh and then I'm trying to think. There's just random games that they come from like Test One and Test Five and stuff like that. But it's been pretty fun. And the takeaway from them, since they're not traditional ordering games or grouping games or anything like that has always been the same. It's like, all right guys, what do you think about this at the end of the day? Make sure you understand the rules really well and just start applying them as you go through the questions. You'll be fine.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, well said. <laughs> That's there's just not that much to it. You just have to like not shit your pants. You have to calm down and you have to You have to remember that they gave you all the information you need to perfectly solve the questions. The games make perfect sense, Mm -hmm. right? It's, It's all just right there in front of you. It's a game of perfect information. It's all there on the page. Yeah. And you just have to one piece at a time, understand what they're saying and then start looking to make some connections. And of course, when you're starting out, you're going to be terrible at that because you've never done it before. You haven't practiced, but the LSAT gives you tons of opportunity to practice. Yeah. Last night in my class in LA, I was walking around the room looking over people's shoulders as they were doing the games and about half the class had just like completely crashed and burned on game two or three of this section that I had Mm. given them, Mm -hmm. even with extra time, you know, after the 35 minutes, yeah, I gave them another 10 or 15 minutes and people were still like really struggling. And, I know that the people who are struggling are the ones who haven't like done my book yet, mm. that they just like, they just haven't put in the work. Yeah. It, you, it's not possible that you could continue to just totally freeze up if you've done the work. it's, it's pretty simple. Um, cool. This next thing's kind of cool. I'm, I'm all about our listeners generating content for us. Our our listeners doing work for us. I'm all about it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Other people doing work
1: for you. Yeah. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. So this was Trevor. Um, so what Trevor did was he took the above the law, top 50 schools, very simple. He put them into a spreadsheet and then he went on to, I guess the five Oh nine reports. And he, he has a column for percentage of students receiving some scholarships, which is just very high. Then we have below 50% half to full. And then a column for, which I think is the most, most important column, which is what percentage of the school is getting full to full plus. Mm -hmm. And he added those up. Okay. So that's that's the total number of like what we would consider to be full rides. Sure. Yeah. At the school. And then he also yep. has a column for cost of tuition in state and cost of tuition out of state and cost of living. Yeah. So which are you know I mean those are very real factors. Hmm. Um. Although cost of living, of course, is so dependent on your family situation and a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, but then he ranked it by, uh, what percentage of the school is there on a full ride or a full ride plus. Yeah. And, um, we'll, we'll post this on, uh, thinking by the way, but the, uh, number one school at the top of the ranking, very interesting. I thought university of Iowa, not that anybody wants to go to Iowa, but you know, it's ranked 26th on job outcomes according to above the law. Yeah. And it has over half of the class, 51% of the students at Iowa are there on a full ride or full ride plus. Yeah, That's according to their ABA
1: 509. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, if you're serious about being a lawyer and you live anywhere in the Midwest, um, you could go get your JD at Iowa for free. And, you know, it's probably not that hard to get into either.
1: Yeah. Also, Washington University in St. Louis is sticking out to me because they have a above-the-law ranking of 17, uh-huh. and they're giving away 21% full rides. So, geez, seems like a good place to try to go, get a free ride. And anyways, all of these schools, but...
0: There, there are largely, you know, incentives for people like to go live in places where people don't want to live. Right. It's not mm. like this is, there's not like a ton of schools in New York city that are giving giant scholarships like that.
1: Yeah. Although NYU is here up here with not, almost 10%. So that's pretty yeah. cool.
0: That's right. Yeah. 10% at NYU, nine Four and a half. half percent at UVA, nine percent at Cornell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of good options for getting a full ride or a full ride plus. I mean, going down the list, wait, how did he sort this? I don't know, because it's not exactly descending. No, because we got, if you scroll down the list, you got Chicago at 13. That's number one on above the law. And Chicago is giving 13% full rides or full rides plus. Yeah. Bunch of good options down here.
1: Hmm. Confused by your sorting, Trevor.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean,. Maybe, I don't know if I have edit access, but um, maybe we could resort it. Yeah. Whoops. There. I just did it. Oh, filter view is temporary, so only you can see it. Oh, that's neat. If you have read access, you can still sort the sheet, but it's only for you. It's a temporary Hmm. filter.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, okay. So now the top of the list goes Iowa, Villanova, University of New Hampshire, Washington University in St. Louis, Temple, those are all the schools that are 20% or more. Georgia State, Wisconsin, Alabama, Louisiana State, Chicago, Missouri, Seton Hall, Arizona State, Baylor. That gets you down to uh, 10%. Hmm. So anyway, if any of those schools are in places where you could conceivably live and practice, those are places where you maybe should, should consider uh, going or at least consider applying because it'll put you in a better negotiating position.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So yeah, thanks very much, Trevor, for uh, putting that all together, I'm, and I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it too. We'll post that on ThinkingElseide.com. I'm sure it'll pop up on the Facebook group as well.
1: Yeah, cool. Oh, this next one, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna summarize what this guy was saying. So last time, you we had an argument about the uh, debt to GDP ratio. That's right. right. And yes. you you made an analogy. And you said that if someone was earning $500,000 a year and they had a $500,000 debt, would I be okay with that? And I would, I only hesitated because I wasn't sure whether the analogy was a good one. Uh, but of course, if that's the right analogy, that's no fucking problem, right? You're making a lot of money and you could pay right. your debt off in a year, right? which most people can't, obviously, which is why we take out 30-year loans for our homes. But uh, I thought this was a good point. He said maybe you shouldn't be comparing it to GDP, but rather to the amount of income that the government is generating. Um, I feel like the analogy is a closer fit, even if it's still not a good one. And in that case, the debt ratio is a lot higher because it's not the overall income for the economy, but just the amount of money that the government is bringing in because the government is the one that has to turn around and service that debt.
0: Right. But the problem with that is that the U S government has unlimited power to tax the, the, the greatest economy in the world. So yeah, right now we look like we're, you know, because we're not taxing enough. I mean, the solution is we just have to fucking tax ourselves more.
1: I don't know. I don't like that idea cuz if you you're going to have con- you're going to also diminish GDP if you start taxing more. Man, I I'm already I'm already on the edge. I'm already on the brink of like
0: yeah, you're going to run away you're really <laughs> suffering. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I could just see you. I, mean, uh, I could just see you moving to Costa Rica so that you don't have to pay taxes anymore. Um, <laughs> I am no, on the verge, I, man. I'm out of here. Well, it's just this is the reason why like the US is the best credit risk in the world as evidenced by the price we pay on our bonds. People lo- loan us money cheaper than they loan anyone else in the world because we have the biggest economy in the world and we do have unlimited power to always tax ourselves to pay back our debt. So I, you know, I for one, think we ought to tax the richest people more. And um, that actually doesn't even include me and you, Ben. That includes like ultra, ultra wealthy people. Warren Buffett agrees with this, by the way. Bill Gates agrees with this. Um, we definitely need to have an estate tax. It's just ridiculous that wealthy people can pass so much money on to their kids. How does that benefit anybody?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know,
0: that the ultra wealthy can just pass on bazillions of dollars tax free after they're dead? For what? Who does that do any good for?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and there's just so many ways that the US government, if they wanted to, could get more revenue. Mm-hmm. And when the government swings back to a more progressive, you know, liberal progressive government, obviously taxes tend to go up. When you elect somebody like Trump, then taxes just go way down. But. I don't know. I'm not worried about our our debt. I'm not worried about the deficit. I'm not worried about our debt here right. first. So, if we follow his
1: analogy, he gives us these numbers. He says that it would, uh, let's see, I think our government situation would be best portrayed by a household with the following finances. Okay, I 100%
0: up- disagree with this analogy. This I love is, it. This is stupid because this is a young, <laughs> broke person who could lose their job at any moment. Hold on, hold a on. A young attorney? Like, this is a, it's not, it's not you a good You just don't analogy. want me I'm to sorry. read these numbers. That's no, okay. you can read the numbers. No, it's just right, this Nathan, analogy, it's, a, it's okay hey, to run away from them. <laughs> analogies are inherently bullshit. And I know that because I make analogies all the time. And I'm calling bullshit on this analogy because you're comparing the United States government to a young attorney. Uh, that just makes no sense. Okay, right. anyways, go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, we can we could like we could multiply all these numbers by ten and just I'm happy to read that. Should we do that? Then it's like then it's not just a young attorney. It's no, it's a, it, an established attorney.
0: It, no, it needs to be because what it literally is is all the young attorneys, doctors, lawyer, uh, like plumbers. It's it's literally every working person in the United States all aggregated together Mm -hmm. that's the risk we're talking about we're not we're not talking about one person who could get sick and like the whole thing collapses we're talking about the entire U.S. economy where I mean if the entire U.S. economy collapsed the whole it would be World War III anyway you know like, like don't worry about it at that point you got much bigger problems but anyway yeah go ahead with this analogy which just doesn't apply to the situation
1: okay it's just kind of building off the analogy you started last time but we'll we'll go ahead and uh see here so he suggests an annual income of 34000 and annual living expenses of 46000 so basically based on the income that the government is currently generating based on taxes the government is earning like 34k but then turning around and spending 46k that doesn't sound totally unreasonable to me has assets of about 35k and debt of 239k so depending on sort of what numbers you look to, do you look to GDP or do you look to the amount of money that the, that the government is currently collecting? Um, yeah, that's a bad situation. This person would be horrible. They're, they're spending more than they're earning. They don't have any assets and they have tons of debt.
0: Yeah, and they don't have the ability to instantly just turn their income up at will. By just voting.
1: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, see, I feel like you, you think it seems like you think that that's easy, easier done, said than done. I, I mean, like that's, th- there's going to be huge consequences. I already feel like the taxes are very high, which is why companies take business elsewhere. And so I, I I'm more of a libertarian, obviously, but I would just rather the government stick to defense and a few other things. And even defense-wise, I feel like we spend too much money.
0: So the best countries in the world are in Europe, and they all tax more than what? the United States. Oh, that's
1: ridiculous! Europe can't help itself, let alone other countries. So I'm not convinced
0: by that at all. Have, it, okay, all right. The, <laughs> it's just nicer. Like I'm sorry, but Switzerland is just nicer than the United States. Yeah, period. they're
1: also just like reeled from a debt. Anyways, okay. So. Why did we put this in here? Oh yeah, so then he provided us with a personal statement, and anyway, I guess we agreed to read this.
0: I don't know that we did that.
1: Um, do we want to read it? Should we do another? Is it interesting? Thing?
0: Should we try to do it super fast?
1: Yeah, let's do it super fast. We can see if here's the deal: if we keep reading because it's interesting or good enough to keep reading, then we will. If it's not, then it wasn't good enough of a statement to pull us in. It's not going to be good enough to pull an admissions officer. That's good.
0: We reserve the right to only read the first like a little bit of it.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: Okay. Here we go. When I was 17 years old, I decided I did not want to be a lawyer. Eh. I don't like that you're talking about yourself when you're 17, but I do like that you, it's a little, it's interesting. It's unexpected. Yeah. Right. I would read the second sentence. Okay. Spending three summers as an intern with the local prosecutor's office convinced me that our legal system was broken. Now I'm thinking, okay, you better get to the fucking point. It was discouraging to come in each day, close crimes against children cases. What? And file away complaints of abuse that would never reach the overwhelmed courts. Reviewing files with botched investigations and hearing the stories of victims who gave up on the system further increased my frustration. I remember sitting in court watching a young girl testify against her father. After he was found innocent, I watched the victim advocate from our office. Sorry, I watched the victim advocate from our office attempt to console the girl's weeping and terrified mother. They had made it all the way to trial. Unlike many victims, they withstood years of motions, hearings, interviews, and repeating their trauma to strangers. And they still lost the justice and closure they needed. I'm hating it. What do you think? It's not about you. I'm not learning anything about this person. I'm learning about, this is the plight of the downtrodden. At that point, that's way too much. That's, that's, that needs to, that needs to be tightened way, tightened way up.
1: Okay. I mean, one thing it does show is that he has observed this unlike a lot of people. Right. So I'm,
0: he's actually spent some time in as an intern with the local prosecutor's office. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, when no, he was I'm totally fine with
1: shortening this up, yeah.
0: Yeah, it needs to be way tighter, because like, I, I don't want—this it's, it's, is too much whining about the, the, these poor people. Mm-hmm. I'm on your team. I agree with you. This is a, ta- this is a bad situation. I just don't want to hear about it. I want to hear about you. Okay. Um, I wanted to help people, but after these experiences, I felt that being a lawyer was not the way. Yeah. I don't know. I, I get, okay, well, what is the way I mean? Or what, wait, what? I thought you were applying to law school over the next few years. I made multiple trips to insert name of foreign country. I guess he's trying to keep it anonymous. I was volunteering at an orphanage tutoring children when I was compelled to see our legal system from a new perspective. That's, that's vague and you just need to say it, say what you mean. Like, stop with the introductory bullshit. I was compelled to see our legal system from a new perspective. Yeah, I agree. The, just say what happened. Sorry, go ahead, Ben.
1: No, yeah, like these last, the last sentence of your first paragraph is uh, repeating something that you already told us. And this is saying it's like buildup as opposed to just telling us. I agree. Cool. Yeah,
0: say what happened. On my last trip, one of my siblings traveled with me. Being in a supportive environment and around young victims that were recovering was a new experience for my sibling, one that brought out an untold story of abuse within my family. For the years leading up to that realization, I had spent my time and energy working to help victims and the disadvantaged. Now I was hearing similar stories of abuse and oppression in my family. Although I felt shaken and confused, I also felt challenged to be an advocate and source of support for my siblings. I don't know. I I'm sorry about all that, but it's like that doesn't make you a lawyer though.
1: I think there could be something here. I just we just need to know what it is. It's still kind of vague. I think all this is, f- I'm not, I'm not opposed to any of this. I just think it needs to be a lot shorter. I think this could all be done in one paragraph or less.
0: Like three sentences, two sentences. It's all just such like introductory lead up. I, I need to see you doing things. So this is, we, we have first paragraph is basically you're a kid. Three summers with the local prosecutor's office when you're 17 and you're seeing a bunch of bad shit. Okay. Then the second paragraph, okay, there's some revelation with some bad shit in your family, but where are you as an adult doing things?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: The the journey through the legal system with my family began in this foreign country. I remember sitting at the U S embassy with an American investigator and attorney After discussing the crimes we were reporting, they drove us to a police station and sat with us as we completed a statement with law enforcement. You're reporting an abusive family member Yet the compassion and guidance from the American legal staff made my sibling and I feel safe, heard and supported. Okay. So you're still a child going through trauma.
1: Well, okay. This person might be in college by this point. Over the next okay. few years? I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. Okay.
0: But I mean, you're not doing anything. So it just may, you're just a victim here. Mm-hmm. And it's about the lawyers and the local prosecutor and whatever. And now, okay, blah, blah. Through, our, through her tears, the prosecutor repeatedly told us how sorry she was that she could not prosecute the case. Now you want to change the legal system. Okay. But that's four paragraphs of a six paragraph statement. And so far you still haven't done anything. Um, since that time, I've worked as a legal assistant, private investigator and paralegal. I've focused on obtaining experience in many areas of the legal system, from tracking down defendants and serving them with a summons to court, summons from court to gathering evidence for cases and managing the many menial tasks those cases re- require in litigation. Becoming yeah. a lawyer is now the next step. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, that's kind of like resume summarizing. It's not necessary. We need a story.
0: It's like, yeah, we know what a legal assistant and a paralegal does. Yeah. Throughout my experiences in our criminal and civil legal systems, I have been inspired by many capable, empathetic, and passionate individuals. That's vague. very vague. These individuals are burdened daily by inefficiency, blah, blah, blah. Okay, nope. I'm done.
1: So... Here's what you need to do. You need to take everything that you said, which does provide, I think, a relevant background or context to your current situation and say that in like one paragraph and then take one experience from all this work that you've done since, so apparently you have done it, uh, that can illustrate what you do now and what you think now Um, and basically flip this personal statement over put way more focus on what you're doing now but i do think you should include the past story because it's relevant to your motivation and this has got
0: to be way shorter
1: yeah and then way more way longer on what you're what you've done just take one or two experiences and expand them and see which one sounds the best and does the most to illustrate your skills and why you want to go to law school um still the last yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the last thing with this last paragraph is it sounds very empty. It's full of platitudes. I've been inspired by many capable, empathetic, and passionate individuals. It's like anyone could say that, and it doesn't. We just have to believe you that you've been inspired by them. And we don't necessarily care that you've been inspired by them. We want to know. We want to see that inspiration in action by what you now do or have done.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot. I didn't even read this, but in, you know I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to resign myself and avoid them as I did several seven years ago. Instead, through technological innovation and human ingenuity and collaboration, I hope to develop reforms that will create a more responsive legal environment. That's crazy. Anybody could say that. What are yeah. you ta- you're going to do a technological reformation of the legal system? How are you going to do that? What have you done that would make it look like you are capable of doing that? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you... This needs, we're not learning anything about what you're bringing to the table. I mean, here's what you're bringing to the table. As far as I know, you've been through some trauma and you think the legal system sucks and you want to change it. Like you've, you've worked in, you've been a paralegal legal assistant. You've been around it. You've been around it enough to know it sucks, (laughs) but, but I don't know that you've done anything. I mean, you've had trauma in your family, which sucks, obviously, And you've seen how much the system is broken and you want to fix it. Okay, good. But what are you, like, I don't see anything in here like skills, achievements. I'm not, I'm just not seeing it. I'm Mm -hmm. not learning the things that I want to learn about you. Yeah. Okay.
1: Thanks for writing in and good luck.
0: Thank you very much for writing in. Yes, appreciate it. Hey, Ben, we are uh, struggling with the weight of this giant list of uh, emails that we have, and we need to do something about it. We do. So um, here's the deal. We are shopping for a super fan of the Thinking LSAT podcast who wants to generously volunteer their time to us and to the Thinking LSAT community by being a volunteer producer intern.
1: Volunteer, producer, intern.
0: Yeah, you're basically a gatekeeper. VPI, volunteer, producer, intern. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And you're, yes, absolutely, gatekeeper. We could change it. Volunteer, producer, gatekeeper.
1: Supreme gatekeeper.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll figure out a good analogy or a good uh, acronym for it. But uh, basically, what we need is somebody to manage the incoming emails. We get tons of emails and we really appreciate them. Help at thinkinglsat.com. But as the audience has grown we are nearing our one millionth download now. Did you know that Ben? We're about to we're about to eclipse the one million um, download mark yeah. of the show, and uh, we are getting so many emails now that we just can't keep up. And the problem is that people jump into the show on different episodes, and so people end up emailing questions that we've covered. You know, we stuff ground we've covered a million times. Yeah, and I think that used to be maybe cute and fun, but now that we are Getting a little bit bigger, I think we owe it maybe to the audience <laughs> to to try to cover new ground a little bit more often. I agree uh, on each episode so um, here 's the deal email help at thinkinglsat.com and in the subject line, put something about becoming the supreme gatekeeper of the uh, podcast agenda, obviously. Ben and I will continue to uh, engage with these emails and and we will continue to engage with our students and um, you can always reach out to us individually and we will be still putting stuff onto the agenda, but we need somebody to manage this for us. Like we need somebody to basically say, Hey guys, here's what we need to talk about this week Mm -hmm. And, and manage all the incoming emails. Ideally, this person would also refer people when people email help at Thinking At saying, hey, where can I learn more about this? Ideally, the person who's in charge of this would be a super fan enough that they would be able to say, oh yeah, why don't you go listen to episode 122
1: mm-hmm. yep.
0: where they covered that and then get back to me if you have more questions. And then we, and then we can get more relevant stuff uh, at the top of the show.
1: I think it would be smart for that person as well, just to create a simple index of, you know, the top 10 questions we get with links to the episodes that talk about them.
0: Yeah. We, we definitely need a like frequently asked questions page. If, if you can help us put that together. So, okay. So it needs to be somebody who has listened, not, not necessarily somebody who has listened to all 151 episodes, although that certainly would be a point in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, and we also want to know what your practice LSAT score is when you send us your uh, application. Yep. So put uh, volunteer producer, intern, supreme gatekeeper in the subject line. Put your LSAT score, uh, practice test LSAT score or official LSAT score. Put how many episodes of the podcast you've listened to and put, uh, you know, your availability for helping us uh, manage this workflow. We we would uh, we will both be very grateful to you.
1: Uh, one final thing: we'd also like to know how interested you are in fighting for justice.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's tell super us important. That. Yeah, and the plight of the downtrodden. <laughs> we would like to hear about that as well.
1: Thank you. Cool. Sure. Yeah. All right. So this next email: Hey there, I have a question about writing a grade addendum. At the beginning of my junior year, I was hit by a car while riding my bike. My grades dropped significantly. I should have taken the year off for at least a semester, but I was too focused on graduating. For reference, when I started my junior year, I had a 3.8. I graduated a 3.4. Okay, the accident was bad. I'm not concerned with this aspect of the addendum. This information was for context. Wait. Okay. Uh, I went to graduate school after my undergrad. Where are we going with this? I know that this isn't going to help me as far as making my undergraduate GPA look better, but I've heard on your podcast that law schools expect to see a 4.0 or very high grades for graduate programs. My school grades on a low pass, pass, high pass scale. I have mostly passes, a couple low passes and a couple high passes. The program didn't hand out high passes very often, but a significant reason I don't have mostly high passes. So, okay, is that my partner was in a motorcycle accident. This is like... We're obsessing about
0: graduate GPA, which is not important. Yep. Short answer. Don't worry about it. Yep. Um, You're getting good LSAT scores. It says current PT average 168, hoping to break 170. Uh, As long as you do that, you're going to be fine. I don't think you need to write an addendum because you got a bunch of passes and low passes on your – Graduate transcript. They don't give a shit. No, you do. You do want to write that because if you did, if you wrote an addendum about your undergrad grades and an addendum about your grad grades, I mean, I feel like that's going to raise red flags more than anything.
1: Yeah. Now you're just trying to justify and explain everything.
0: Get a good LSAT score, write a very simple addendum that recalculates your undergraduate GPA without the car accident year. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Thank you. Lemony Snicket.
1: Mm hmm. Thank you, Lemony.
0: Hello, Ben and Nathan. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Thank you for sharing your collective insight every Tuesday. Well, Monday now. I'm writing with a quick question, a few relevant details about me. 2012 graduate, intended fall 2019 applicant, five years of living overseas, 1.5 years as a law firm, as a legal assistant. I like my current job and I know the laws for me. However, I was recently offered a job as the local brand manager for a major running shoe company that just began importing where I live overseas. As a semi-elite runner and running shoe nerd, I think it would be an exciting job and would like to accept it. Would law ad comms look down on this job change? Do they prefer to see applicants with varied work experience or long-term experience in a firm? So one, let's just
1: answer this question right here. Do they look down on this stuff? No. I think we've said this before. People feel like they need to get legal jobs. You want to get non-legal jobs because non, especially if you love them, because that's what most people don't have and go do awesome in it and say, I want to go to law school despite the fact I'm working in this non-legal job because I want to do something in the law, maybe related to this field, such as running. I mean, the law touches everywhere in the world. Everybody deals with the law in some way, shape, or form. And so if you can come to law school with experience in another field and all the knowledge that comes with that, and you can show, hey, look, I want to take my knowledge and experience in this other domain and tie it in with the law, awesome. It brings diversity to the class, and law schools love that. What they don't like is another cookie-cutter paralegal who is boring as fuck and is just going to sit there and go back to a firm and
0: drum away the rest of their life. I, I just, sorry, that's my personal opinion on paralegals, but <laughs> yeah, well it's like, Hey, I'm passionate about this thing. Should I do it? Yes. Yes. Yes, you should. And by the way, just go do that thing and kick ass in it and don't go to law school. What are you doing? Yeah. What, he, Be successful working. You're a runner. You love this. You clearly want to do this. Go do that. What are you trying to go to law school for? What? Well, the
1: funny thing is I wrote back to Runner Nerd. I do remember this and said, hey, apply for the job and delay a year because at the very least you'll figure out whether you still want to go to law school after a year. And she wrote back and said that she did that and she's excited. So
0: good. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Runner Nerd. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. Next. Okay. Hello. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I definitely
1: need a little assistance with the reading comprehension section. I'm a U.S. military member deployed to the Middle East, so I'll be taking the LSAT in October. Hmm. I studied from January to June and became burnt out, so I decided to take a break until August. No, don't. That's a long ass break. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> How much recovery do you need? Yeah. Uh, maybe a week off, and then don't study so insanely. Uh, I'm scoring an average of 160, 161. That's a really tight average. However, in the RC section, I'm still struggling. I can fin- you're struggling everywhere if you're getting a 161. I can finish three passages, but will score about 17 total questions right in the section. This includes guessing on the last passage, so I would say an average of two questions wrong per section, per passage, sorry. So that's, yeah, that's a lot. I'd prefer to answer all three passages correctly, but I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong but you're not understanding the passage well enough. Um, I've received tutoring and they were not able to help me fix the problem. Your problem is reading comprehension. You're not. Here's one thing to think about when you're reading a passage. You need to understand what the individual sentences are saying and you need to understand the overall structure of the passage. In other words, how the sentences relate to other passages. And the two tips that we give most frequently, one, Read and understand, and two, predict where the passage is going helps you with those two things. Reading to understand the individual sentences will help you with detail questions that ask you what must be true given what was said. And trying to predict where the passage is going will help you step back and see the structure or the overall picture. And that will help you with structure questions. And those. Two types of questions make up the vast majority of reading comprehension questions. So my guess is that you're struggling with one or both of those skills, either reading for detail and understanding what the person is actually saying or understanding the overall structure, which just comes from trying to predict where the author is going. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, is this, this court. Brittany continues. Uh, I have not struggled with reading comprehension previously, so I'm not sure what the issue is. I don't mark the passage too much. How about not at all? But I will mark a sentence in each passage that I find to be the main point of that paragraph. No.
0: What? Where'd you learn that? There may not be a main point of that paragraph. I'm, uh, man, I'm on the don't do any underlining, highlighting anything. I, I Recently, I've been selling that idea to some people and they've really responded. Like people have done much better who have just like said, Hey, I'm going to put the pencil down and I'm going to actually pay attention.
1: Well, here, let me help you out. So a couple things. One, there are only between 13 and 17 sentences in these passages. That's nothing. There's almost, there's hardly any sentences and people still, they tend to push back about not marking things and they say, well, and I have marked stuff in the past, so I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here, but uh, things change over time. Um, they uh, they say, well, I want to I want to take note of this. It's kind of important, or something like that. And I'm saying, well, by deciding not to mark up the passage, what you're doing is you're committing to yourself to take ownership. <laughs> for the understanding of what you're reading. Like now it's got to be something that's in your head as opposed to you depending on your notes or something like that. Like notes give you an excuse to be a little bit lazy. Cuz now you're like, well, I don't I don't need to fully grasp this because if I ever have a problem, it's I'll just refer to my notes. If I don't understand the structure, if I don't understand where the passage is going, I can just look at my notes. No, by saying no to notes entirely, you're now taking all of that on yourself, which is actually a good thing because you're doing the work up front, which is the true for out the entire LSAT. The LSAT is about doing the work up front and then blasting through the questions. So yeah, love it. Yeah. Brittany continues. I also feel that I understand the passage and what the author is saying, but you're getting them wrong. So you don't, do you have any advice or tips I could follow? Uh, do these two things. Make sure you understand every sentence before you go into the next one. And as soon as you do understand it, try to predict where you think the author is going. If you just do those two things over and over and over again, as you go through the passage, you will understand both the details and the structure and you'll be good to go.
0: Yep. I think you're not reading it well enough. You're not reading it closely enough. Um, Then when you get to the questions themselves, I mean, you need to also be trying to predict the answers to the questions. Mm -hmm. Like don't get so sucked into those answer choices you're getting trapped. You get you get to those answer choices too quickly and they just trap you, they confuse you, they waste your time. So you need to be predicting the answers before you read the um, answer choices mm-hmm. and you need to then just remember that probably this question is a must-be-true or a variety of a must-be-true. If it's about structure or something like that, it's a variety of must-be-true and you have to pick answers that just have evidentiary basis in the passage. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to show me where the justification is. I mean, if pressed, you would be able to show me where that justification is in the passage. Yeah. Cause there basically just must be truths. And so many of the wrong answers. I mean, I just look at, there's so many wrong answers where people are like, but I, what about D though? And I read the first two words and I'm like, it says every, Mm-hmm. Really? Like you think that there's justification in the passage for every time this happens, this happens like, no, that the passage didn't say that the passage was about one instance of this. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible answer for it must be true. I'm not saying that the word every automatically made it wrong, but I already suspected that it was wrong. 80% of the time, any answer is wrong. And so then when it starts talking about every or always or never or something like that, well, I'm just, I'm even more suspicious of it now. Mm-hmm. Because I'm in my must be true mode. So it's possible that just practicing must be trues for logical reasoning is going to help you get better at the reading comprehension. Yeah. Okay. Is that it for Brittany?
1: That's it for Brittany
0: hi ben and nathan i have two questions i'll try to be brief and boy this is a long ass email
1: when someone says i'll try to be brief that means they're going to be long
0: (laughs) yeah and it's extra words to even say i'll try to be brief so one way to be brief is to not say i'll try to be brief and just fucking be brief instead Mm -hmm. um okay i would like to please remain anonymous if you read on the podcast yep sure thing in the last episode ben mentioned that his score tracker might be going away soon any more details on this I'm currently using it often and was hoping to until the September LSAT, but I'm now wondering if I should keep track of results elsewhere. Oh, shit.
1: Um, (laughs) Everyone panic. Uh, The score tracker is not going away, um, but the access to the explanations will be. That's sort of a fluke that people can now gain access to them. Um, But I haven't done anything about it. So a lot of people do take advantage of that, and that's fine,
0: uh, but it's not... um, a forever thing. But the, the tracker will still be there and your results can still be. Oh, tracked. Yeah, all there your results are fine. Forever, it's just getting well, access forever. to the explanations. Yeah. And, um, we have big news coming, um, what in a month or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big news coming. Stay tuned. Big news coming. Yep. Um, but the score tracker is not going anywhere. Yep. Okay. Slightly different topic. Yield protection. When I have discussed some of the law schools to which I am interested in applying with advisors, I have been warned that certain schools may be inclined or tend not to accept Stanford students. It is speculated that this might be partially attributed to yield protection. That is, admissions officers may not be convinced that one would attend a lower-ranked, relatively speaking, law school after attending a very highly-ranked undergrad. I'm not in any way trying to sound elitist, and I don't think that those advising me of this intended to be either. Trust me, I know there are plenty of students here who probably have mediocre numbers and would likely be rightfully denied from it schools, But I am now slightly concerned that I may need to make additional effort in my application to convey my interest in specific schools outside the top 14, even possibly at those just outside the T-14 like Vanderbilt. Again, I really hope I am not sounding elitist. I truly am not. Because I have had the privilege to attend such a highly ranked undergrad, I know it's not always all it cracks up to be, and there are many unique problems at places like this, e.g. duck syndrome Many faculty uninterested in actually teaching. I have never heard of duck syndrome. I have no idea what that even means. We're going to call you you elitist duck from now on. Yeah, you're an elitist duck. (laughs) I I think I do probably have the potential to be a competitive applicant at places like Harvard, Yale, Stanford. High GPA in an engineering major. Last LSAT PT, 168 after a few weeks studying. And I'm pretty confident greater than 170 by September. However, I would rather go to a school that I would actually be happy at. I also really don't want to take on any debt. I know that these three schools specifically only have need-based aid. I've gotten significant aid as an undergrad in the form of grants, no debt, but I don't really understand how this works for law school. And if this is the case... I can't see why I would forgo potential scholarships at other good schools. I agree. I can't be convinced that the opportunities are that much better since I'm actually here and have even taken some law school classes. I guess my point in saying all this is that I want to make sure I can sufficiently convey my interest in being considered for scholarships at other schools. If my concern is completely ridiculous and unwarranted, feel free to say so. Otherwise, I would appreciate any advice on crafting my application with this in mind. Any anecdotal evidence either way would also be helpful. Thank you for your time. Love the podcast. Anonymous. Anonymous elitist duck.
1: Elitist duck. Look, I feel like so much of this discussion, I almost cut you off, is just concern about things that you don't have any control over. Just get the highest LSAT score you can get. Take the GPA that LSAT gives you and apply broadly. And when you apply, you're going to give them your best personal statement that you can give them regardless of whether they have this concern about stanford elitism or not
0: yeah i don't understand I mean, what
1: you're going to do something better now because you have this concern then you would you're like oh i was going to give him a subpar personal statement now i'm going to take this into account and i'm going to address it somehow there's no way to address this you just say you're awesome and you want to go to law school that's what we all yeah, do yeah
0: and If there's a school that you're really interested in, like Vanderbilt, like you, if you want to go to Vanderbilt on a full ride because you live, whatever, that's your area or you just want to be there or whatever, why don't you reach out to go visit Vanderbilt, call them up, like develop a relationship with them. They'll Mm -hmm. be super excited to have you apply and they will, with your high 3.0 or whatever, it's a, it's like, it sounds like almost a 4.0 in engineering from Stanford with a, with a LSAT that's going to be over 170.
1: That is good for your application. Don't worry about the fact that they're worried about yield protection. <laughs>
0: yeah, they, they would be so stupid not to admit you if they're like, "Oh no, yield protection. We're not going to admit this great candidate." I mean, that's why they're not. That's like why they're not that good of a school. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a little bit like, "Oh no, that guy, that guy or girl, they're just way too hot for me." Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even gonna. I know I can't even say hi to them because they're just way too hot for me. Well, yeah, okay, then they are. Then yeah. they're way too hot. For yeah, me. you've that's, just self-fulfilled it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if Vanderbilt's really going to do that, then they they're not in your league, you know. And so then that's that's totally fine. And I someone mean, else will get, the,
1: will get it and they'll give you a full ride and you'll go there. And that's why you want to apply broadly because you don't know how these idiots are going to respond to your awesome application.
0: Right. How dumb would they have to be to do that? If they're that dumb, you don't want to go to that school anyway. So, you know, and, and if you're really that worried about it, because if you do have like a number one choice or whatever, you know, you could tell them that you're serious about them. Yeah. You could be like, listen, I know I'm way too hot for you. I know I'm out of your league. But I'm
1: still interested.
0: But I really am actually interested in you, Vanderbilt. It's your, it's your lucky fucking day, Vanderbilt. Do you want to get lucky or move on? Yeah. <laughs> we going to do this right now, Vanderbilt, or what? Because I'm telling you that I'm serious. Yeah. I know you think I'm fucking with you, but I'm not. <laughs> and <All right. laughs> there's a timer going. All right.
1: Next one. Yeah. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I recently graduated in May and began listening to your podcast on my drives to and from work as I'm studying for the September LSAT and I and had a lot to learn. I wanted to say thank you, all caps. Just starting now, I feel as though I have hundreds of hours of free advising and answered questions. It's been immensely helpful. No problem. You're welcome. Yep. I stumbled upon episode 100 and couldn't stop laughing about your pearl and turd ranking and methodology.
0: Oh, we're going to have to cut this one off because we already did a new. This was someone else giving a Pearl in the Turd. Um, pearl in the Turd. But we already did Pearl. Well, somebody else submitted Pearl in the Turd, and we already did Pearl in the Turd. So thank you very much for sending in another Pearl in the Turd rankings. Yep. Okay. Uh,
1: now, a couple questions for you.
0: Oh. Stats in section two. We're not going to talk about that. Yep. You often talk about number three. You often talk about
1: unrealistic moves from California across the country. Wait, what? We do? I'm from Miami and went to the University of Ma- Miami on an academic full-ride scholarship. My time here is done, though. Yeah, yeah, get the hell out of Florida. I really yeah. want to move to either Washington, D.C., California, or Colorado. Wow, I have affinity for all those states, actually. These are the three places I've spent time other than Florida, and I can see myself living there for the rest of my life. I'm concerned that admissions officers in California won't take me seriously because I'm from Miami. They don't don't nope. worry about that. It doesn't Not matter. Not a thing at all. to think about. Yep, you're nope. an American. That's all that matters, and you're willing to pay the money. Maybe. Um, what can I do to show dedication other than visit the schools? Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Apply just to apply. all three
0: places. Yep. They're going to like you based on your numbers. They're going to believe you if you're willing to pay the money or whatever <laughs> and send in all the jump through the hoops. <laughs> they're they're trying to sell you an expensive JD. They don't they, care they where the you. fuck you come from. Please just apply. I, so, and, the I think, I don't know, I'm speculating, but yeah. the the um, unrealistic moves thing, hmm. I think that's when I'm popping off about how people in Florida are not going to be impressed by your JD from Hastings. Oh, I think yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: of course. Once you go to a school, then trying to move, like, depending on how... Law is a local practice. That's what we're talking about, right?
0: Yeah. If you go to a regional law school like Hastings, then like obviously that reputation just doesn't carry very far outside of California. Not to say that you can't work outside of California, but it's like, you know, in Florida people are like, wait, what? Hastings? What? Mm-hmm. You know, what is that? Mm-hmm. So um, you, in in that case, yeah, you, you want to think about where you're going to go to school if you cause you're going to probably practice around there. Yeah. But the schools themselves are just going to be excited to get your application. Yeah. Next
1: bullet point. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. So I'm starting a test master's class in July for the September LSAT. I can no longer endorse other classes. Any other classes? No, I'm done with uh, theoretical technicalities that are just overwhelming and distracting and do more harm than good. Yeah. Like Test Masters, we just got an email from someone uh, talking about, oh, do I need to know the question types to a two <laughs> or 2N or whatever? It's like, <laughs> God damn it. I tell people in class, sometimes I say, hey, what question type this is? And they sometimes they say, um, I don't remember the name. And I always say, I always say, I don't care what the name is actually. Do you just know what they're trying to ask you? And they'll say, well, yeah, I think it's trying to uh, strengthen – the argument. I'm like, yeah, well, I call that a strengthened question. That's not usually when people get mixed up, but you know, sometimes they might get mixed up about, is it called a reasoning question or is it a structure question? I don't care about the freaking name. Do you know what it's trying to do? And when they start describing what it's trying to ask them and they get it right, then I'm like, great. I do think that the names are helpful because we do need some sort of vocabulary to talk about them and have some sort of tips associated with each one. But I'm done with Testmasters, PowerScore, Blueprint, Seven Sage, all these places that over obsess about theory and don't talk enough about intuitive understanding. Even the
0: LSAC and Khan with their principal questions. And it's just like, it's it's simpler than everybody thinks it is.
1: Yeah. Isn't Khan um, a character in Star Trek? The Wrath of Khan, yeah. Yeah, the Wrath of Khan. I think uh-huh. that's how we should refer to this new Khan Academy, <laughs> the Wrath of Khan Academy.
0: I don't know. We don't have enough. We don't really have enough information We know, how We that know more than, than enough. Going. We're good. It's, we do? Yeah, it's the Wrath of Khan.
1: We've already, we looked at some of the explanations. They're horrible. I know. I'm hoping what, it's going what, to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to change.
0: I They're think asking so. the same
1: people he, to write explanations. No, it's,
0: it's done. Uh, all right. Yeah. um You, you certainly don't to need to know the difference here? between type two N and two E and two F <laughs> and all that shit. That's that's a hundred percent. You don't need to know. And if it says trademark ever after any of their types, that is not a thing. That is them trying to make money. So yeah, when you see PowerScore justify the conclusion trademark, it's like, come on, really? Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Okay. It's all it's much more common sense than than y'all are making it out to be. Yep. Okay, so anyway, taking a test masters class. Yep, go on. I'm a little nervous
1: though because studying independently, I'm already increasing my score so much. And after this, and this is after scoring a 160 on my blind diagnostic cold diagnostic. I know from your podcast that you'd recommend independent tutoring for someone like me, but I'm really just want to take the class and not spend all my money on individual tutor. Okay. Well, the class is going to cost you a good, uh, $1,500. Um, you could take either one of our online classes for less than that and then do a, a tutoring session or two and be spending about the same amount of money and getting advice that is through the roof better. Uh, sounds like you've already spent that money though. Um, in any case, I, wait, wait, hold up. This is horrible. I really just want to take the class and not spend all my money on an independent tutor, especially knowing I'm going to have to take out loans in about a year from now. Well, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have to take out as much if you do well on the LSAT. Two points on the LSAT is going to save you maybe ten grand a year depending on the different scholarships you get back. Do you think I'll still be able to reap the benefits of a structured class or am I totally wasting my money? I think we've answered that.
0: Yeah, I mean... One sixty on a cold diagnostics, not like rock star status. No,
1: no, no, no. This is we're, we're talking. Good. Tutoring it's, is like once high one sixties.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I sort of don't. I, I would. I really prefer to work with tutoring students who are knocking on the door of one seventy. Yep. And and if you came to me with a cold one sixty, I'd be like, oh, great! You'll be kind of near the top of my class. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And and I think the group learning environment would be perfect for you.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, let's see. Last but not least,
1: and I thank you for reading this whole thing. I really binge. I really binge listened to your show, and I have been collecting questions for the past month or so. Cool. I'm currently interning with a political campaign for Congress until the election, and then I have no plans from November until hopeful enrollment fall 19. 2019. Any advice on what to do with the eight months of my gap year that I have not figured out? Um, Do
0: something. Travel the world, 10 bar, write a book. If you need money, Um,
1: just go do a fun job that you can.
0: Bicycle across the United States, be a river guide, (laughs) Uh, do anything other than working in a law firm.
1: Well, the only benefit to working in a law firm is maybe realizing before you. Fully committed to this? don't want to be a lawyer. Yeah, that you don't want to do this, right? Maybe, yeah, you should go into a law firm, knowing that you could leave at any moment if you dread it, and that's a good sign that you need to just do something entirely different. Yeah, I feel as though the time this time period is after admissions, so it won't help me get in wherever wherever I do, whatever I do. Yeah, that's true. Could I just work abroad and make some money? Yes, you could. What are some other things you've seen? I don't know, just the world is your canvas come up with things that excite you. Again, I love your podcast and really appreciate all the help and nerdy banter. Nerdy. You I'll that? take it. You'll take it.
0: Yep. Love it. I do not. Nerds it. are taking over the world. We're you can call nerds. me a nerd all you want. You're a nerd. I am a nerd. nerd. I play Dungeons and Dragons. Dude. You're an elitist nerd. I am not an elitist. I don't think, <laughs> but I am proudly a nerd.
1: All right. I think both of you are, I think of both of you as role models and friends. I hope you still feel wow. that way after <laughs> this email. <laughs> you can read my name. Ooh, I'm not sure how that permission thing works. Thank you, Olivia. We love reading names. And I actually really Olivia, like, I like that name a lot.
0: It is a very nice name. And I um, think of you as a friend as well, Olivia. Yeah. All the listeners, really. I we mean, it's, uh, it's great to hear from all you guys. And uh, even though we are going to get a supreme um, gatekeeper on help at thinking else at we, we still will, uh, really look forward to getting all of your correspondence at help at thinking else at.com. So yeah, thank you very much for writing in. Thank you. Yeah,
1: that was awesome. Next
0: one. Do we have time? Um, I have time. I'm not doing shit today. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's do one more. Okay. Uh, Oh, Man, this will be this will be interesting to see if we can pull this off. Kay. Do you have prep test seventy five there handy? I'm pulling it up. I put this on the agenda because it's just. A, I thought it was just a quirky question. I think I think someone pointed this out, and I, I said, and I said, "Hey, I'll I'll ask Ben about it." Okay, just just so that we could sort of debate it. I mean, Wait, I don't think it's hard.
1: Three is it's the university administrator one. Okay, hold up. Sorry. I just I'm an idiot. I just pulled up the wrong test.
0: It's the university administrator and the graduate students and whether they should be employees or not. Okay. So we can't really talk about the we can't read the question obviously because we're not going to violate the LSAC license thing.
1: Yeah. We'll make fun Which of it. Which
0: is so ridiculous even though like everybody just has PDFs of all the tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um Okay, I remember this question. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's just it, so. What I frequently say is that on a weakened question, you're you know you're not really allowed to counter the premises. You're sure. supposed to accept the premises. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And on this this argument, I think I mean I think it's not hard to find the right answer here. Yep. I think I can find. The, I, I think because I can't pick any of the other answers. Yep. But this is by the way, if anybody wants to look at this at home, you'll be able to figure out what we're what we're looking at. This is Prep Test seventy five, Section three, Number thirteen. Uh, The one about the university administrator and the graduate students. Yeah. But the correct answer, I think the correct answer here on a weekend question, I think the correct answer counters a premise of the university administrator's argument.
1: Hmm. I'm just looking at this one more time.
0: (sighs) The conclusion is the first sentence. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: I agree sole purpose I think can we read this sentence
0: sure why not
1: however the sole purpose of having teaching assistants perform services for the university is to enable them to fund their education if they were not pursuing degrees here or if they could otherwise fund their education they would not hold their teaching posts at all so these are two premises yeah
0: Mm -hmm. well okay so maybe the second to the last sentence the one that starts with however maybe that's like a subconclusion That follows from the last sentence, sure, sure. And so, then, if it's a sub conclusion, it's debatable. Then you could say it's debatable, and so that's why you can weaken that. But what about the the last sentence? sentence? Mm -hmm. Well, we grant them that, Mm -hmm. right? If if you give them that, that hey, well, yeah, if they weren't pursuing their degree here, then they wouldn't even have that job, or if they could otherwise fund their education, then why the hell would they have that job?
1: So, so then we have to ask ourselves: um, Is the correct answer contradicting that premise? Right. It says they would not hold. No,
0: because the- it's not. Because the correct answer is just saying this is about the sole purpose. Right. So it's mm. like they because they wouldn't. Those so the last sentence is about the kids, right? The mm. kids would not well, the kids, if they weren't getting their degree here, they wouldn't even have this job. Sure. If they if they could fund their job their education otherwise, they wouldn't even have this job. So the sole purpose of having them is to enable them to fund their education. And that's the part where you get to say, Hold on a second. Yeah. Okay. The conclusion so does not
1: follow or the intermediate conclusion does not follow from the premises yeah. and the correct answer calls that out. And so yeah. it's a classic, let's go after the assumption. Yeah,
0: Let's say that. Let's say that it's an intermediate conclusion and the correct answer is countering I think that it intermediate is. I think conclusion. that's totally fair
1: because this, okay. the last sentence is explaining that. You know, this happened uh, last night in class too. Someone was, it was an explanation question. I don't know what you call those paradox questions or whatever.
0: I call it an explanation question. Yeah, yeah. That's what the LSAT calls it.
1: Okay. Ooh, the LSAC. Okay. Um, Anyways, one of the answers seemed to contradict one of the two facts that were provided in the passage, you know? Mm. And I said to them, I said, well, I think it depends on how you interpret this answer choice. If you interpret it one way, then yeah, it is contradicting that fact. And if you interpret it another way, then it's not. But given the fact that the question says, which one of the following, if true, most seriously weakens the argument I think we're just going to have to one we have well we have to accept it as true and two therefore have to accept it as or have to interpret it in this way that I think is totally reasonable but also consistent with the facts above. Just just the way that the test is written. I mean, they're telling you which one find if true, and so you have to go there and yeah. accept it as true. Which means yep. you now have to then interpret it in a way that's consistent with the passage, which sounds a little strange. But sometimes things can be interpreted in two different ways, oh, and they're yeah, not totally unreasonable. And you have got to make it work; otherwise, you're, one of the answers has to be right. You're fighting the test. You're fighting the right. fact that it said if true. So
0: just okay. accept it. Yeah. By the way, with this question particularly, I mean, there's a much easier way to get to the correct answer, which is just to be super critical of this university administrator. Sure. You know, like you need to be imagining somebody that you hate. In a very expensive suit, mm-hmm. standing there on campus, you know they 've got to make they make this huge salary mm-hmm. and look at what they 're trying to do they 're trying to not give graduate students benefits yeah <laughs> right that 's yeah. what they want to do. This is a corporate administrator at a giant university trying not to give graduate teaching assistants benefits mm-hmm. and their evidence i mean part of the argument is well, the sole purpose of having these teaching assistants perform services for the university is to enable them to fund their education yeah <laughs> well who wouldn't call bullshit on that yeah <laughs> Like, really the sole purpose yeah it's a it's a it's a de- it's a bargain I mean you get something you get something asshole you get something out of the deal it's not, you can't say the sole purpose is for them yeah and that's that's essentially the answer right yeah okay um, I don't know do we leave it there or do we keep going
1: uh, let's keep going
0: this is an email that came in, I guess it came into my website. Okay. It says listening to the thinking else podcast every day in the car makes my commute enjoyable and your insightful content inspires me to maintain intensity throughout my LSAT preparation. Thank you for that. Oh, In a recent podcast, you responded to a question from somebody who was debating enrolling at USD, that's University of San Diego, for $37,000 versus waiting a year because she was, quote, too depressed to wait. I am taking the July LSAT and I have yet to apply, but I have a similar question regarding applying to law school versus waiting another year. I am leaning toward taking another year between undergrad and law school, but this would require that I postpone applying until the fall of 2019. Rather than depressed, I'm anxious that the LSAT UGPA standards to be accepted at my target schools will increase in the span of a single year, and that I will be a weaker candidate comparatively. Is this a foolish issue to be anxious about? Thank you for your time. All the best, Lizzie. And then Lizzie gave some stats here, which is current undergrad GPA of 3.34, which could go up to a 3.5 by graduation. Full timed LSAT practice tests in the low to mid 160s with a big weakness in logic games. Whoa, minus 11 on logic games. Mm. Man, she could get to 170 by just figuring out the games. Damn. Yeah. So my goal is high 160s, low 170s. Dream school, CU, Boulder. What do you think, Ben? Do you think if she waits another year, the com- competition's going to just get tougher? Well, as we read at the beginning of the show, um,
1: the number of applicants is just ballooning out of control. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, you should apply today. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to get in. No, I mean, here's the thing. Even, <laughs> even if there's a slight increase in competition between now and the time that you actually apply, you're making such a big decision about your future career. I would rather you wait a year to make sure you really want to make this decision and then go all in. Don't just apply because it could be marginally better, if
0: at all, this year. Yeah, and you are it's just pure speculation to think that it's going to be better this year. Like, For what? For what reason? Why do you think that?
1: Especially if you spend a year doing logic games. Just do one game every day for the next year. Get your LG score down to minus zero, and then you'll be such a better candidate that You will overcome any
0: sort of downside by waiting. Oh, even if your LSAT only goes up by three points, you're still just a better, much better candidate against a tougher field than you would be a weaker candidate against a weaker field. You're the there. There's no reason to suspect that law school. (laughs) I don't see law school getting more into favor. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I there's no reason to suspect it would go one way or the other. Yeah, and so. You know, you're just, I don't know, this is just her being anxious for for literally no reason. Like, I just think it's going to get tougher next year. Okay, what if it gets easier next year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Yeah. So certainly that's not doing anything for you. Yeah. And then, yeah, if you you come with a better LSAT score or just a more mature candidate or you end up deciding that you don't want to go to law school at all or – any number of good things that can happen. You just <laughs> I I say this all the time. I'll say it again for the thousandth time, but I've been doing this now for over a decade and I've never had a single person tell me that they wish they would have gone to law school sooner. Yeah. I'm waiting, you know. Who somebody maybe now somebody's going to be a smart ass and email in and say well, I wish I would have gone. It's working out great for me. Okay, well, that's great. Then I won't be able to say that. But do they really
1: wish they would have gone earlier? I doubt that. No, I I would have a hard
0: time believing I did.
1: I would love to hear it.
0: Why why should you have started a year earlier? Yeah, what difference does it make to your your career like are you going to practice law for 30 years or are you going to practice law for 31 years who cares mm-hmm. what's the difference mm-hmm. in the long run what's the difference there's yeah. no difference yeah it's all these are just short term they want the prestige or they want the certainty you know they want to make their family happy they want to make yeah. their friends happy they want to figure out what the fuck they're doing with their life they want to feel like they know what they're doing with their life yeah but it's so expensive and it's so stressful and it's just like the this big, huge important next thing and you could always always pump the brakes and take a year or two or three off and live a little bit and explore different options and law school is always going to be there yeah um and worrying about the competition getting tougher i <laughs> that's certainly not the 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 trend over the last decade mhm i mean it might be the trend over the last one data point yeah but even that is suspicious. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I say, Lizzie, wait. <laughs> I mean everybody, everybody, wait, wait. <laughs> including Lizzie. Well, like, really? Wait, what? I mean, what is the point? What? Why is everybody? What's? What is the rush? Mm. What do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, you're gonna go into a mountain of debt. You're gonna work extremely hard you're going to be bored and depressed <laughs> you're, you're going to take up <laughs> with your drug drug use you're going to alcohol. have drug and alcohol problems <laughs> and you're going to you know, you, I mean, you'll be
1: you'll get separated
0: <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's like <laughs> what is this hey law might be the perfect thing for you but if it's the perfect thing for you it'll still be the perfect thing for you if you wait another year yep okay on that note i think we should end <laughs> Okay. That was a super exciting way to wrap it up. Um, yeah, that was show number 152. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.